guys, welcome to episode number 30 in this podcast series. This podcast series called Mastering Agility with me, the host, Sander Der, aims to inspire you and others with the best people in the business. And make sure to go to the website of masteringagility.org, not .com, but .org, and subscribe to the newsletter. And Optilearn will provide you a discount code with all their Scrum.org related courses. That's a pretty sweet deal if you ask me. I would also love to ask you to leave a review on Podchaser and I'll include the link in the show notes. I'd love to learn from you what we can do better, what you like about this podcast series, who you would like to see as a guest, uh, what we can improve. I would just love to hear from you guys. Now, last week we had Heidi Helfand as a guest who discussed her book, Dynamic Reteaming. The thing with theory is though, there is always a gap between theory and practice. And in this week's show, we're going to continue on that. We have Redgate Software's Chris Smith, who has been practicing dynamic reteaming for a couple of years now. And he's here to share his story and his journey with dynamic reteaming. Let's welcome Chris. Chris, thank you very much for being here. appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about um, dynamic reteaming at Redgate. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm okay. Thank you for having me on, Sander. Um, yeah. I'm good. We're actually gearing up for the next iteration of reteaming at Redgate, so we're thinking about that. But uh, yeah, we're all getting warmed up for Christmas, aren't we? It's it's not far <laughs> to go, so we're all good. Does that affect the the, the planning the, the, when it comes to that, that dynamic reteaming that you got to take care of the Christmas schedule, for instance? Yeah, it's a it's it's a good question. So reteaming at Redgate, we've we've decided to do something deliberate every year for the last three years. So we've taken a step back looked at what we're trying to achieve in the company in the coming year and we've thought about changing our teams up both to respond to the needs of the business but also to give opportunities to people in our teams to light up different areas of work they might want to move towards and so the first time we did it we did it in December thinking well we get everything sorted out ready for the new year and we'll come back on January the 1st and we'll all be ready to go which was a really lovely idea but uh a lot of people have holiday over Christmas, don't they? So we had this process where we, we kind of shared all the information about what teams were going to be doing next year and, and, and gathering people's preferences. But they were in and out the building at that time all the time because of holiday. So we've learned from that. And instead of doing it over Christmas, we give a little bit of comms before Christmas to share with people what is going to happen next year, what teams we need, what their missions will be. And then we have a nice break for Christmas and we come back in January and then we go through the process of talking to everyone involved in our teams to see where they see themselves, where they prefer to work within that organization for the rest of the year. I'm curious as how that's going to be panning out. Um, just to, taking a little step back, how did you guys start with it? How did you come up with this idea? Because Heidi Helfand, uh, who wrote the book Dynamic Reteaming, was a guest in the, in the previous episode. Uh, and she was very, um, very vocal to me personally about the success at Redgate and how you guys approached it and how you enrolled it. So talk us through how what your approach was there. Uh, that's very kind of Heidi. I've, I've met Heidi a few times and, I, and actually she started the ball rolling a little bit for us. So I saw a talk at a couple of agile conferences in the UK, um, I guess 2017, 2018, where she talked about dynamic routine. She talked about this idea that really resonated with me, which is, hey, stable teams aren't a thing. Teams change all the time. People leave, people join, people leave organizations, join organizations. Organizations change where they want to invest their people and their teams. And so it's always moving. And if teams are always changing, we need to get good at it. And that kind of like, yeah, 
she's absolutely right. We're kind of kidding ourselves that we're optimizing for stable teams when they're not really a thing. So that got us thinking about we should be using um, reteaming, using the composition of our teams and changing that up in order to um, more deliberately respond to the needs of the company, but also to create opportunities for people. So um, developers often see um, personal development as moving to a new challenge, is building on their skills, is learning a new technique. And with very stable, long-lived teams, we weren't creating enough of those opportunities to be blunt. People were staying in a team, they were becoming deep, deep experts in a certain area or a certain technology, and then they weren't moving. And they weren't able to move because the business was so dependent on them. So it was creating some stagnation in each of our teams where people just weren't able to move. Sometimes it felt easier for someone to quit an organization than move teams because they were so important. So we were reflecting that that wasn't working for us. Um, We knew that our business tends to want to align to a new strategy or changing strategies, improved information every year. And uh, we also had started talking a lot about Drive, a lot about Dan Pink's book Drive about this idea yeah. of self-determination, how that's really important for um, engagement and motivation. He talks about three things. He talks about giving people autonomy, uh, mastery, and purpose. And we realized that they were linked up quite heavily in what team you're in. So the team you're in gives you an opportunity to become a master in certain skills and certain technologies. Um, the purpose of a team can differ across the organization that, you know, you can be um, finding a new user. You can helping a new solve a new problem, you, and and those those purposes can be important to different people. And then obviously asking people where they want to be is part of autonomy. You get to decide. You don't have some manager that you've never met before just decide that you're going from team X to team Y. That you actually you have a say and you have control over that. So those those things are important. And all that came together and said, you know what, we're a bit scared, but we should try self selection reteaming. We should go for it. And that's what we did three years ago. Is this something, because you spoke about Agile conferences, is it safe to assume that you were working with some Agile framework already in that organization of Redgate? Yeah, I mean, this this is kind of um, in, uh, tangential to the Agile process we use. So at Redgate, we've, we've been kind of an Agile mindset for probably 15 years, um, certainly ever since I've been at Redgate, and that's 10 years now. But we haven't gone for the one process that combines all the teams. You know, you're less or you're safe. And not to say anything against those those frameworks, but that isn't something we've needed. What we've done is we've tried um, to build our skills and bring in different influences. So we'll have tried Scrum by the book. We'll have brought in Kanban. We'd be doing Scrum Ban. We'd bring in Lean Startup, depending on our products. And as I said, we we have we have 20-odd products at different parts of the life cycle. One process doesn't work for all those things. Some of them need a, a leaner, kind of like tighter iteration, a lean startup approach, if you like. And some of them need more predictable Scrum sprints. And some of them need Kanban because it's actually more about sustaining the use of a tool that's got 20,000 users where there's a lot of like support requests. Like we need to use all those techniques. So there is no one process for all Redgate teams. But there is like you pick and choose the things that work best for you, which again brings it this variation. If there's there's 12 teams at Redgate at the moment, if they're using different processes, different techniques, and they're in different parts of the life cycle, there's all this variety of work. And, it, you know, and when the first time we did it, we looked at this variety and we realized that people 
weren't in the right place where the variety met their preferences. They were in the wrong places. This person really enjoys really gnarly performance kind of investigations. They want to do some really big fact refactoring to get things you know more composable. But they're in an early stage product that's being forced to do really tight iterations and throw stuff away. It's driving that developer mad. They should be over here where they get the problems that they're really engaged in and they'll help us the most. So that variety included process and how they work as well. That makes me feel that you guys were already kind of set up for making dynamic reteaming a success. What do you feel is the, the, the culture there that makes it so successful? Um, I think... I think, well, there's the, the, the part where we, we talk about autonomy, mastery, purpose. And if you go to lots of software organizations' websites and their career pages, they all talk about trust and autonomy and that kind of stuff. Like, it's what you put on your web pages. And we're trying to actually, not to kind of, not, not, to, not to be too critical of the folks, because everyone has their own kind of difficult situations and own kind of culture to, to work within. But if we're going to say that, we have to choose things that support that. So it's not just that we do reteaming is that we're also choosing other techniques like you say that like i said there we don't make one process for every team to use we believe in the autonomy of the team and the ownership to make a decision on what they should be doing and it's that kind of stuff that creates this culture that reteaming is a part of um and I i suppose that we had the trust from um leadership and from the wider organization to try these things because it's quite a big leap of faith isn't it to sort of say okay well we've never completely we've, we've always done a good job by a group of managers choosing the team and moving people around from top to down that's never been that bad why would you change it and so there's a lot of trust there to let's have a go at that so i think sort of trust and and that culture of autonomy and purpose is 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 what's helped us make this a success And that's absolutely critical. Do you assess like what's the, how people perceive that level of trust? Is that an ongoing process or is it something that you just measure? Well, we're now going down towards Christmas. We want to do another round of that dynamic reteaming. What do we feel the level of trust is at this point? Or is that something that you continuously assess? I think, um, I think we put a lot of time into working with our teams so that they're healthy and effective throughout the year. So it's not okay for a team to be dysfunctional at any time. And we need to, as a, as a management leadership team, help that team um, sort of tackle the issues they've got. So we kind of believe in, in Patrick Lencioni's kind of five dysfunctions of a team model, which is built on trust, you know? So, If if trust is 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 kind of not there for a team, we'll already be talking about that. We've kind of talked to our users about this model and the fact that they need to think about it. Not a key part, I guess, for reteaming for us is none of our teams are, are are failing. None of our teams are on fire because if they do struggle, that's our primary goal is to help that team. If you were to go into reteaming with three teams basically on fire or, you know, kind of really struggling and, and that people aren't getting on and they're not making progress in the work or the, or the wider organization is, is kind of hammering them, then if you go into reteaming, people are going to leave that team. They're all going to go somewhere else, right? So if you're going to have reteaming, you, you've really got to work on your teams being really good places to exist at all times. 
So that trust kind of has to be there. Our leaders know that trust has to be there. But we do take the temperature of teams, and we've done that kind of, I think, a couple of months ago. We've, you know, I think trust and feeling of being able to say what you think without being punished is kind of wrapped up in, in psychological safety. So we've used the psychological safety surveying tool, you know, that's emailed from a third party that, you know, doesn't belong to us and we can't control. So it's, it's completely fair. And we've asked our folks, you know, do you have psychological safety? Do you have the, the trust and the, and the vulnerability uh, to be vulnerable and share what's going on and, and, and disagree? And, you know, fortunately we got, you know, positive re- re- um, sort of survey results to say, actually, yeah, people are feeling like this. And so hopefully they, they can go into this kind of reteaming event, kind of trusting and, and also free to be able to say what they think and share their preferences. Oh, that's pretty awesome. I can also imagine um, new people joining the organization that have a different experience when it comes to being vocal about what they perceive as being their, their psychological safety. It could be a challenge to getting up to speed with actually being that open. How do you get people into that motion of, hey, it's okay here to say whatever you feel? It's a really good question. I think um, it's a journey, isn't it, when you join a new organization? And I'm sure you've, you've done it as well, where you kind of you've come conditioned by the by the culture you were part of, and then you come into a new one, and everything seems different. And actually, what are the rules? And am I am I allowed to say that? Is it okay to sort of disagree? Um, so I think for us, it's it's just as I said, it's it's just taking decisions and and, and having processes and policies that reflect our principles so it builds towards people understanding the culture you can't just say it's okay you're trusted you can say you can say when you disagree and you won't be punished i can say that to someone but until they see it in the teams and they see that they're thanked for their feedback and that actually what they're saying is listened to even if somebody goes a different way then it doesn't matter what they say we've got to prove it so i do think when when teams arrive when people arrive in teams they have to learn it. So we've got, um, as I said, we're coming up to our fourth iteration of reteaming. And for many people, because we've we've recruited, I don't know how many people, but you know, let's say there's there's twenty percent of the company that that weren't here last year that you know that we've had that many new engineers start. Um, they've never been through reteaming. So how does that work? Can I really move teams? Is it okay to tell my line manager that I don't want to be in their team anymore? And won't they think I'm criticizing them? So again, we we have to. Um, share our thinking, talk about why we do this. Um, you know, just recording a video to sort of share with our newest starters to say, this is why we do reteaming. And this is why we want you to think deeply about where you want to work. It's important. So you, you have to nurture those new folks all the time. What I would say with, with reteaming, we have got better at onboarding people because we've got more practiced at it. You know, we change teams more often, so we're better at it now. Um, so hopefully, People do find onboarding a relatively good process at Redgate, but you know your mileage may vary, I guess. Yeah, but that sparks me, that triggers me into my own process. What I notice with myself, and I work as a Scrum Master and Agile Coach in different organizations uh, as a consultant, what I notice with myself is after a year being part of the same team, I'm not necessarily losing my interest, uh, but I'm so conditioned that at that point I am up for a new challenge, if you will. that does require that you are continuously working with that transition of knowledge to someone else. How do you guys treat that? I, 
you know, it varies in teams. I think um, people know that reteaming is coming. They understand if they are just holding on to all that information and they're really kind of the go-to person for all this this tech in their in their product, then it is going to be a struggle for them to move away. They're aware of that. And also the team leaders are aware of that, that actually, you know, the organization, the team needs to hold this knowledge, not just the individual. So we often kind of, you know, we have mob programming, we have pairing, and we'd be looking to, with the expert, to be working with people that, that aren't the expert. So they are building up that knowledge. Um, and, you know, I think with with, with what's happened with the, the pandemic and us now working, you know, Reggae at the moment is is mostly remote. Like we have opened the office, but we're not using it day to day as we were uh, previously, is that we've had to be better at writing things down. And we've had to be better at sharing kind of how things work in a team and, you know, what, what the process is, what decisions we're taking, why we're taking decisions, you know, intense around code changes. That it's it's made us raise our game, and all that stuff helps build experience and knowledge in others. If you're just not making a change, but you're writing why you're making the change and the interesting kind of knock on of that stuff, people are going to learn that even when they just do a code review. So, I think not much has been positive out of the pandemic, but 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 probably one of the things is actually we've got better at sharing knowledge and writing stuff down so that new people can pick it up and that people aren't going to be stuck as the expert of this forever because it's just in their head and nowhere else. Yeah, the pandemic has been very useful to either reject or validate some hypothesis when it comes to teamwork as well as working working remotely. Now, you mentioned before uh, that you brought the message across that you as leadership, as management team, were a little scared as well starting this journey. Did you communicate what you were exactly scared of and why? I, I don't think at the time I had the took a step back to examine it. Um, I think I've done that now because I talk about this a bit. Um, and I think, uh, I think firstly, I was, and, and the organization was a bit scared because we've been conditioned to think stable teams are best. Uh, you know, if you go, if you go through an organization, if you work in the, in the, you know, in the industry for a while, you just hear that, right? Oh, it's best to keep your team stable. Don't change up your team unless you have to. Can't keep people together, like storming, norming, performing, right? Why would you break up a performing team? And so you just it's just normal to want to keep teams the same. So there's that to fight against because actually then you go, well, actually teams aren't stable. We're changing all the time. People are leaving. People are joining. That's just made up. And actually when you look at a team that's been really stable and hasn't changed, you start to see stagnation and ossification and stopping bringing in new ideas and being kind of hard to work with because they're a little unto themselves. You see that kind of thing. So that kind of we have to push through that. But there's a control thing, right? There's, I am, Absolutely. you know, uh, a, a, a development manager, sort of senior development manager. I'm responsible for 12 teams. Um, and if I create 12 teams that aren't fit for purpose and don't deliver what the business needs, I'm going to look, I'm going to be in, you know, I'm going to be quite vulnerable, aren't I? Um, the organization is going to think, well, you tried this crazy thing called self-selection reteaming. And, and also I'm, I'm giving up a bit of control. Um, and, and adding risk and that unless you kind of spot that and think no it's the right thing to do for these reasons you can sort of just the emotions can sort of hold you back um and i started to think about well have i got control like you know when we think about a team who you put on a team seems really really important and i do believe that you need a team that is 
is well balanced and that can you know have those five dysfunctions that Patrick Lencioni talks about. Oh, not have the dysfunction, have the functional instead. Um, but it's not it's not really under your control what will happen because these are humans and they'll have things going on in their life or difficulties you know uh, at work. We'll have people working together that you won't expect to get on when they do or expect to not get on when you expect them to get on. You're writing software, which is uncertain in markets, which you're not really sure what's going to happen in an industry that can change quickly and be and disrupted. And that that's before you have to think about sort of social stuff like pandemics and whatever else. There's so many variables. There's so many things happening. This isn't a complicated system where, where a leader can work out what's going to work and just do the thing. It's a complex hugely complex situation using our friend Kinefin um, <laughs> that actually you need to, you need to go in with like uh, you, you need to, to, to give people that the, the skills they need and build up their capabilities, but allow them to sort of um, act in the moment to try things to sense and respond. And that includes in a, in a team environment. So what I'm saying is that I didn't really have control. I thought I had control. So giving up control was, was, was scary, but I never had control about whether the teams were successful because so many things can happen. So you've got to accept that and, you know, put other things in place so the teams can respond to those difficult times that they will no doubt have. It does need need you to, or requires you to have a good amount of introspection. And it's funny also to see how for granted we take that Tuckman model of uh, forming, storming, norming, performing. And we... For decades, it didn't really challenge that up until this point. Um, I think it's a funny, funny dynamic. Um, but what made you get into such an inter- introspective level, saying, "Hey, I, am I really in control here?" Um, I think um, uh, it's a good question. I don't know. Like I said, I think I was, I was, I was fearful at the time. You know, there was there's some stress and anxiety around making a change like this to the way the organization works. And I think I believed so much probably in 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 the autonomy mastery purpose in and asking people, you know, in the principles that we tried to call out that we have to do this because we've said these things. And if we don't choose self-selection, then we're kind of hypocrites. And it was more the fear of looking like a hypocrite and just not keeping true to the principles that drove me that way. And I think now a couple of years later I've looked back at it and gone, what was it that was making me feel that way? Because now it seems like, actually, not to spoil the story, but it's gone really well. Like three years of reteaming has gone remarkably well. Like I would not do it any other way now. You know, I'd certainly try and improve it, but I wouldn't take go back to the point where a manager that doesn't work with any of the teams decides who's in what team. It's crazy, right? So, you know, looking back on it, it's gone, well, what was going on there? And I've been a bit, a bit more aware maybe of of kind of, psychological aspects so I, I picked up the book um uh the chimp paradox by professor steve peters which talks about how the the the, the, the kind of amygdala kind of pushes pushes your buttons and makes you kind of you know you feel anxious about changes like this and why is that you know and what what can you do and the more you understand that i think the more you can sort of um decide to respond to that stimuli, to that motion, rather rather than uh, just react. Um, so, long answer to a simple question, but I think I've learned more over the last couple of years about what makes me tick, and I've realised that actually that was that was fear of um, of losing control. 
Thanks for being that honest. I think that requires courage as well to to say that you that the level of fear was uh, was playing part. And are there any requirements when it comes to Redgate's level of leadership and and management, leading by example and such, making this a success? Like, what do you discuss? Hey, this is what we are supposed to do as leaders within this organization, um, help, helping and supporting these teams. I think um, I think it's important that we do the work to talk about these principles with leaders, that they understand the, the why. So you think about the team leaders, you know, why are you asking everyone which team they should be in? There's a reason, you know, and we explain the reason and we connect that to the higher sort of principles and, 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 and bigger beliefs at Redgate. So you have to be ready with the why. And something that Redgate is very good at is asking why. Like, you know, you, you get, yeah, okay, you're, you're deciding we should do um, Kanban now. Why? It's like, uh, okay, well, uh, you need a reason. You need a reason. And quite rightly, you do. You're changing kind of the process of a team. You need to understand why. What's what's your diagnosis of the problem? Um, what, what is, why are you now taking us a different way? So we need to explain the why to our leaders. And they need to understand that. And, and hopefully you know it's one they can believe in it's quite hard to disagree with wanting to give people autonomy mastery and purpose like can you really disagree with that i mean you can but you're you're probably at the wrong organization if you do so you know if you say well that's why we're here remember how should we decide what a team is it's like yeah we should probably ask them that makes sense we should ask everyone they should have a say so um principles i think and that's for me a key part of like leading leaders and managing managers agreeing principles but then stepping away so they can make decisions in service of those principles rather than telling them what to do that makes sense how has the response been so far uh from people within the teams i mean what has there been any pushback saying we don't think this is a really good idea this is not going to work for us or is it unanimously positive um it's a a good question so we we ask for feedback every time we do it um the initial feedback is, you know, it's, it's great. We'll, we'll always get feedback about how to improve it. We, the first time the first time we did it, it was like, why did you do it over Christmas? I was on holiday for a week. It's like, that's a good feedback. We'll, we'll fix that next time. But generally, it was positive. It was really supportive of it. I remember one from the first bit of feedback we got the first time we did it. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a, you know, a whiteboard with stickies on. And, and it was a picture of a claw grabbing someone with a with a no entry sign <laughs> over it and it said great to feel involved in the process it wasn't like some arbitrary machine just moved us around it was like exactly that's exactly what we want that's that, that's we're so sorry you felt like that before but that's what we want to not do anymore is to move you around like you're some piece on a board like like the claw from a toy story or something um but you know, as we've gone through and got more feedback, I think it's it's very supportive. People think they should have a say on what team they are, and they now expect it. Um, they've told us that actually, yeah, they're happy with the team they've ended up in, and they're happy um, that we've started quickly in our new team. But they've also told us that yeah, that has caused anxiety. Reteaming is a reorganisation of a, of a fashion, and even though I've got to say, I have felt anxiety through this process, and they've told us that which is really important. And I think we want to minimize that anxiety as much as we possibly can, because there's no reason, while we might think change is important for the health of the organization, people feeling stressed or distressed is not, is not something we need. 
and on something we want. So we need to reduce that as much as possible. I think it does cause stress on the organization a bit. We're saying, well, we're going to change things around. We could keep you where you are and leave it comfortable, but we think it's important to drive some change. There will be some anxiety and concern there, but we're going to be really attentive to it. We're going to make sure people have people to talk to throughout the process and people can have one-to-ones and do have one-to-ones throughout reteaming at Redgate to make sure that they are help, help being helped through this process and understand their options. But something that is always on the cards is you can stay in your team. If your team is continuing to next year, if you'd want to, want to stay, that's your preference, then you're very, very likely to be able to stay. In fact, last year, everyone that wanted to stay in their team could stay. And I think reflecting now on last year, if I'd have said that up front, I think that would have reduced quite a lot of anxiety. It's like, okay, I really like where I am. You're not going to move me. Phew. And I think that would have helped. And, I, I, and we didn't say that up front, partly because we weren't sure we could guarantee it, but we were able to do it at the end. Um, so in the end of reteaming each time we've done it, a third of people have moved teams. Now, I don't know what you were expecting when we asked. What what would you think? Like, I've, I've ruined it now for you, but like, was that high? Is that low? What, is that a lot of people that move teams, if you ask everyone? Um, I'm not sure, to be honest. I mean, I've been in, in a, a semi-reteaming event uh, or multiple events, and that still had that arbitrary claw in it. So I haven't been into a full, proper dynamic reteaming kind of style of approach of, of, of re- actually reteaming. Um, when it comes to, when I relate that back to your question, I think it's, it's relatively the same. Um, but I do feel it's it's it would differ per organization. I mean, sometimes things need to be shaken up and that can, can change probably within uh, from going from year to year maybe this year it's going to be a third of people and maybe next year it's going to be half of them i don't know um, yeah i mean i'm i'm really interested to see how this pans out for us because i didn't yeah. know what the number was i mean it's possible that 80% of people could have asked to change teams i mean that would have been very difficult to support because the chance of them all landing in appropriate places a third is a re- seems a really sweet spot so you most people yeah. stay in their teams and that's fine because they've recommitted to the team's mission. It's like, oh, no, I want to be here. Not managers told me to be here. I've chosen that this is where I want to be. That's really important. But a third of people moving creates those connections between teams and just shows that it's normal to move teams. Well, a third of people move. That's normal. So it's something that you can do. It's allowed. It's 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 supported. Um, and Is that something, by the way, that you guys check out as well? If you have a really high number, like you just mentioned 80%, hypothetical 80%. Wouldn't that be reason for concern? Like, oh, right, maybe we messed up last year. What's going on here? Why is it so high? Yeah, I mean, I, I could imagine. I, I mean, I don't know. We're going into the next one. And I don't, I don't know what to expect. I hope it's the 30. And like I said, three times been a third. Last year was interesting. I mean, this, is, this was really interesting. We went we're in pandemic, middle of a pandemic. It's January 2021. I thought people are fed up of change. The whole world is changing. You know, it's 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 been a really difficult year. I'm just going to keep things the same. Like, I'm not going to rock the boat at work. And maybe that's my mindset. And that's the thing I'm projecting. Because actually, 37% of people move teams. Actually, they, there was the need for that change. There was the desire to move to new challenges and try new things. Um, during a pandemic, during all this other stuff that was going on, which... It was really interesting and, and counterintuitive for me. I thought it would go the other way and people would not move. 
So again, what will happen? What will happen this year will, will be another lesson for us as to how. Hey, let us know how that's going to work out. I will do. Um, how do you? How does such an event look like? Like, what's the process that you go through? How does it work in practice? Like, do you get together in in one single session? You mentioned the whiteboard before, which is probably going to be challenging now with the with the pandemic going on. How does it work? How does a um, how does such an event look like? Yeah, it's it's kind of um, it's a it's a it's a it's a month process probably. So from end to end, I'm not saying everyone stops doing work. It's like it takes us a month to get this done. Um, for some self selection on the on the kind of fully full freedom self selection, I think it can be at other organisations. It can be look, we'll get you together for three hours, and in that session, you will choose what team you're part of, and then that's it. It's done. And we don't do that. We we think that's <clears throat> we think that's probably too much pressure to put on people to put them in a room and they want to come out having chosen their next team for the next twelve months. It's too much pressure, and actually probably gives an advantage to those of us that are louder. It gives a disadvantage to our interest uh, if we're interest uh, introverted a bit or, or neurodiverse or, or whatever else. Like, you know, it, it 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 it's a game that some people can win at when you stick them in a room and they get to yeah. just say what they want. So we have stepped away from that kind of probably a fully a fully free form self-selection event and we say, well I'm not going to do that. There's part of the process that looks a bit like that, but it's not that. So what we do is Firstly, when we know what our teams are going to do in the next year, we share that. As early as we can, as early as we know enough detail, we tell everyone. These are the 12 teams. This is what their missions are going to be. And uh, just so you know, next year, you're going to get a choice for which Well, you're going to get to share the preferences for where you'd like to be on those teams. Then we think the next important step is to get our leadership roles in place around the team. So we have a trio of leaders for each team, which is quite common now. I think as is technical lead product designer, product manager, and they lead a team and help set context and direction and support them in making decisions. And we want to get those three folks in place around the team they're going to lead in the next year early because their job is to light up what the team's going to be like for the rest of the organization. So to think about what is the strategy for this team? What are they going to own? What aren't they going to own? What's daily life going to be like? What what will their process be like? You know, will they do mobbing? Will they like pairing? You know, um, what skills must they have? Like this team has to have three really good web developers. If it doesn't have three web developers, it's probably not going to work. So you've got to call that out up front. So they, they create this picture, which we just put on a simple canvas that we call a team charter. And that captures like what the team's going to be like, what we are here for and, and what, what your experience will be. So the, the leadership's created those things and those are shared. And, and now because we have online tools and we're, we're, we're not, we don't have to wait to meet up physically we share those and everyone gets to peruse those in their own time and look at every option that's available uh, on those posters and then we do have a big event we have a big open meeting um where all our leadership trios are there standing in front of their posters of their team charters and people get to drop in and say hey you, you said pairing tell me about that you said that we wouldn't own this product why is that and so they get to explore everything and then they leave that session equipped with hopefully all the context and information they need to, to decide where their preference would be. And then we think it's really important that everyone gets somebody to talk to. So we have a one-to-one session with everyone in the process. Now that's a big investment, but it's worth it. So there's like 80 people where either a manager or a leader or a coach 
we'll talk to everyone and we'll just talk about what did you see? What were your preferences then? What 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 do you think you'd like to do first? What's your second preference of a team? Wow. And why would you say that? So you want to stick in your team. Why is that? And it might be, well, actually, I really believe in the purpose for next year. Happy days. Or I really love the technology. Or I really love working with X. Oh, that's great. But do you know if X is going to stay? Oh, good point. I might have a chat with him. So, so just someone to think that through with. And then they come out telling us three preferences. And once we've got everyone's preferences, we have a big jigsaw puzzle to do, basically. So we know what the business wants, which what 12 teams say we need to build. And what the constraints are, because the team leaders said, well, we need three web developers here, we need this here. And we have all these preferences. And our goal is, as a kind of a leadership team, is to create a team organization that's fit for purpose, but meets as many preferences as we possibly can. So it's got to be fit for purpose for Redgate, because if it's not, then there won't be a Redgate for us all to work at. So we have to do that. But it's got to light up these preferences. And... For the, for the three years we've done it, we've been able to meet a preference for 97%. I know the stats because I've done it. Oh, wow. 97% of people have got a first, second, or third. And about 80% have got their first preference. It's just panned out that way. And for the That's people that, that haven't got a preference, because we know why they wanted to move, we can often find op- options that speak to that why and that they weren't aware of. So actually you said web. Did you know this team does a bit? There's a fair bit of web. I said, like, oh, okay, interesting. Well, how about there? So we, we do take care with the people that that didn't get their preference, as well as you know celebrating the people that that did. You know, and then then everyone's decided, and then we 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 have a set of like workshops that we use with teams to build up connections and get them going. So so they get to know each other. That there's some social stuff, but also you know, history of the product and what their strategy is going to be and, and how they're going to work. So we've got good at those kind of um, forming activities that you need to run to get a team moving fast. So that that's our process. That's incredibly powerful. I would love for way more organizations to treat it like this. I think so many people could benefit from this. What do you see is the benefit for Redgate itself? What has been the outcome? Um, so there's been there's been a lot. I think I think firstly we've been able to make the teams, and it's it's been um, done with the support of everyone involved. So we're not cha- we're not making change to the teams. We're making change with them, and that's been a kind of cultural benefit. But I think, so what we've seen is reteaming is now an established event. And so it doesn't create as much anxiety as it might because we're used to doing it and the the organization expects it. And so you'll see developers say in the middle of the year saying in a a, a one-to-one with their manager, I'm thinking about moving next year. I think I might want a new challenge next year. And they can sort of talk about that because they know it's coming and they can build that into their personal development plan. And so... It's just an established event. And this is from an organization that we didn't used to move people around very much. They didn't want to, that we have this amount, this, a third of people moving. I think we're better at forming teams, as I said, and, and therefore onboarding new members. Um, and I think we've seen good practices spread across teams better. So somebody, you know, this team has had some success with a lot of mobbing. And as they've moved, they've brought that with them and, and talked to their new team about it. We've also seen especially I guess during the pandemic when we are no longer co-located in an office it's harder to go and talk to a team you don't know I mean you know we're developers and and 
it can be quite a, a drag to, or kind of a bit of resistance to go and actually talk to someone that you don't work with every day that you don't know and so by a third of people moving each year we've we've had social connections with different teams so I know that team because I used to work with Jeff say last year so I can go talk to Jeff you've forced some connections and we're just not getting those naturally with with everyone working remotely in their teams right now so we're forcing a bit of that and I think another thing that's, that's really important, we've proved to the business three years in a row that we can be really responsive and agile to their changing needs, to their changing kind of strategy, while still giving everyone a strong influence over where they work. So we pr- they can't argue that that isn't possible, right? And they never would, right? But, but, but they can't now because we've proven that it's doable um, and that, that the teams have been really effective um, when we've done it. So... Um, and, and I guess the final thing is, and this is maybe surprising, but it's really good for employer brand. <laughs> so um, we've <laughs> blogged about it quite a lot, and it's not abnormal for someone in a re- in an interview to mention it and say, "I've heard about this reteaming thing. What, what's tell me about that?" And um, someone told me just last week that they were they were in a uh, interview with a team lead, and they told them about reteaming, and they're face lit up like, "What really?" So you know, yeah, when you join a team and a new organisation. You're just dumped into a team. Maybe you're, you know, you're, you're, you end up joining one that you like or, or not. But there's no expectation you might get to move teams and like see see the world and have influence over that. So knowing that you're joining an organisation that lets you have that has has been, I think, beneficial to to recruitment. Um, which which I guess makes sense. And like, why if you if and also if you if you've been in a team that does reteam, a, a company that's reteaming, you'd you'd think carefully about moving to a company that didn't do that i think because it's it's powerful for people absolutely and that really ties back to indeed uh daniel pink's uh, drive uh, yeah now this has really worked for you guys for for you at redgate are there in your experience types of organizations where you feel this would not work um uh, well, I'm sure. I'm sure there are, and I guess you know that there's 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 cultures where this won't work. There's there's areas where pe- people like managers would get beaten up for taking a risk on this, and it and it not going perfectly. They might get into trouble. So you know, I guess there's a psychological safety aspect to it. But if you look at the actual work, you know, I, I have I haven't probably got enough experience of other organisations to tell you that. But I could imagine. I've talked to somebody that, who works. So my company. We are a portfolio company, so we have 25, 20 products. And we also have a variation, as I said, of of approach, variation of um, process. So there is a lot of options. If you worked at an organization that really was excellent at teams working in concert, if you were all working on the same product, um, and if you all had exactly the same process, and that there was kind of, you know, what would be the point of changing teams, I suppose? Like, you, you, there may be less drive because um, work is similar in every team. So maybe you'd only be moving to work with a new person or work with a, a different person. Um, and actually, you might want to enable that personal development through a mentoring program or for some coaching with different people. So I guess that, you know, because we have a variety of work, it, it, it people are really using it as a mechanism to to learn new things and to build experience. So I, I guess, I guess it might not make so much sense um, for a one product company. I... 
Yeah, yeah, true. Hey, what I really enjoy about this conversation is that it proves theory to be doable. Uh, for instance, one of those things with Scrum or with Save or any other kind of framework um, that I always get during courses is good and all. And it sounds really perfect when you mention it, like when we're going through the theory, then it's all very peachy and it's it's that desolated idea that seems to be perfect uh, in theory, but that's not going to work in practice. Mm. Do you feel there is any difference in the theory that Heidi provided in and the book of dynamic reteaming versus what you guys experienced. Um, I think so. Heidi's book is is fantastic, and um, and it covers a whole uh, spectrum of ways of reteaming. And she talks about the freedom continuum in her book, which is, you know, that idea that you can have on one side of it someone at the top deciding all the things, and on the other side you can have full freedom where people can just decide on a daily basis, who they're going to work with and what they're going to do. And um, I think probably, you know, although Heidi definitely favours the, the full freedom, she does reflect on the whole the whole continuum. So I think probably we've given a lot of support to the to the to the bits in the middle of the of the of the continuum because it's not full freedom because you know the teams can't just decide on a whim to disperse because actually. Our customers are expecting these products to be alive and to have new features and to to develop, and the business needs them for the for their product strategies. So, you know that isn't possible. However, we kind of lit up what a middle option would look like, where actually people are having a strong say, but there's still curation of it. There's still um, a check and a step back to make sure that we're meeting the needs of the wider needs. So, I think we've given more evidence on that. I guess you're right. I mean, this is. Hopefully, it's a case study for people. That, that your mileage will vary wherever you are in your organization. You'll be—it's the same as like don't copy the Spotify model. Don't copy the way we do reteaming. That's clearly not going to work uh, because you're going to have different types of teams, different business needs, different characters in the teams. But you know, hopefully, this kind of case study can inspire people that you can give people a say over what team they work in. Have that principle. The principle is to give them a strong influence over over what they do and where they work. You don't have to do it annually. You don't have to do it with a big open session. You don't have to make them write team charters, but give them a say. And, you know, understand that actually if you do give them a say, even if they choose to stay in the team they're in, they're going to feel they've got more autonomy, mastery, purpose, more self-determination, and they, they're going to be more fulfilled at work if you do that. So hopefully... We can light that up, but yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend people just copy what we've done. Oh, it really uh, has the potential to elevate the levels of engagement with people. Um, as a closing part, if people want to know more about dynamic reteaming and Redgate and about you, where where should we guide them towards? Um, so um, I blog on um, leadingagileteams.com, so you can find me on there. Um, but also Redgate blog and have a development blog. Uh, I've shared loads of articles about how we've done reteaming. You can find that at ingeniouslysimple.com. Um, but I'm, you can find me on Twitter at uh, CJ underscore Smithy, and I'm happy to answer any questions about reteaming. It kind of, I, I really would like to encourage more organizations to try it and sort of share what we've done in the hope that it does inspire some, some other folks to give it a go because it, it does work. 
Um, it might be counterintuitive sometimes, but it, in our experience, it works. Awesome. I'll include those links into the show notes so people, you can find those there. As an absolute last question, Chris, for people who in organizations who want to start their journey with dynamic reteaming, what would be your first recommendation? So I would recommend Heidi Helfand's book to get the full story of reteaming. That's 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 the that's recommendation zero, like just to get some context. <laughs> the first recommendation I think I would I would engage in that idea of whether you're seeing some disadvantages of very stable teams and whether you're seeing some uh, problems that deliberately changing up your teams could solve. Are you seeing siloing? Are you seeing teams struggling to um, work in concert? Are you seeing uh, deep experts being created but then unable to share their knowledge and having to leave the business because they can't change teams? If you're seeing those things, then hopefully you can line up a self-selection process to, to, to ameliorate some of those problems. So look at the, the business impacts that that maybe the way of doing things is having and, and be able to provide this alternative, this 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 thing you could do to, to as I say, resolve some of those. And you can say you can try it. So experiment, you know, try it in a smaller group, see if that works and then expand it um, and show that, that it can it can work at your company. I love that. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Chris, for being here. I really appreciate you making the time to be on this show. Hopefully people will learn more um, by this episode. Thank you again for being You're here. You're welcome. Thank you very much for having me, Sander. Welcome. Again, I would like to thank Chris and you guys, listeners, for being here with us in the 30th episode of this Mastering Agility podcast series. A number that I'm pretty proud of. I would like to ask two things of you. Number one, go to the Podchaser link in the show notes. Leave us a review so we know what you like about this podcast series, what we can do better, and who you want to hear more. Number two is subscribe to that newsletter, get that OptiLearn discount code, and stay up to date with the latest information when it comes to this podcast. Now for next week, we're going to have Willem-Jan Aagling and Sjord Nyland from the Serious Scrum platform. What is it? What can you do with it? What can you learn from it? And what direction is it going to go? Want to know more? Stay tuned for next week. <laughs>